What is up, everybody? My name is Juan Perez, and welcome to the First View Podcast. This podcast hopes to create a platform in which minorities can talk about their journeys and share their unique stories. These are individuals who have had to overcome obstacles and are achieving the improbable. Much like you and I, our guests are striving to reach their goals and to help others. Our hope is to be able to inspire and motivate the next generation of minority leaders. Thank you for listening and supporting minorities everywhere. I am excited to introduce Mike Ponce. He is a digital rights integrity global lead at Facebook. While growing up in LA, Mike knew what he wanted to achieve, one of which being to leave the rough neighborhood where he grew up in. His path to Stanford and later Facebook has been an unconventional one that you probably wouldn't really be able to notice from a resume or LinkedIn profile. Shortly after arriving to Stanford, the struggle to adjust and family issues led Mike to leave with the intentions of dropping out. During his time away from school, he worked at many jobs to support himself and accepted that his life would be similar to what he saw around him as a kid. When he eventually returned to school, he was determined to succeed and this time finishing. While at Facebook, he started to become involved with employee resource groups that support Latino and LGBTQ communities in and outside of the work. Mike believes that there is no roadmap or secret answer to accomplishing something. Our ability to persevere through failure and our perspective of these instances is what makes us resilient. I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. What's up, everyone? I am super excited to have Mike Ponce here, um, who I actually met on LinkedIn. Um, and I have never met him beforehand, like all of my other guests. So with that, how are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing well. Um, the uh, Facebook, like a couple other tech companies, gave um, the all employees a day off um, because they acknowledged that employees were going through a lot of personal and professional stress. And so I'm really enjoying taking today to just enjoy being with uh, my partner and just taking a moment to just catch a breath before going into the long weekend. How about you? Um, I'm I'm great. Um, I'm also, like I said, I was actually been on Zoom calls now for about seven hours. Uh, thank you for asking. And then I also just wanted to ask or thank you for being on, on this podcast, knowing that today is your day off and taking some time out of your day to, to be with us today. Of course, I love doing this. Yeah, um, great. So let's just start off. Uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. The short answer is that I'm a graduate of Stanford with a degree in economics. I worked at Google for several years before a stint at an educational technology startup, and most recently, a couple months ago, starting a job at Facebook in a digital rights operations organization. Going into a bit more detail, although I moved around a bit, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles as a son of immigrant parents. As a kid, I was teased a lot for my accent, which I honestly didn't know I had until high school, and just being a nerdy kid in general, so I read a lot of books as a kid, and that's actually how I learned English since I uh, was, spoke Spanish um, growing up, we weren't allowed to um, speak English at home. I suspected it was because my parents just wanted to know what me and my siblings were talking about. I like to say that I took the scenic route to get where I am today because of the unconventional path and some pretty uh, painful failures that got me here, such as choosing to leave Stanford with the intention of dropping out after only one quarter, getting fired from a job I desperately needed because apparently I'm not good at quick mental math, admitting that I needed help and didn't know what to do during some very dark times in my life. Oh, and if you haven't noticed, I also have a tendency to speak fast. Cool. Um, and can you mention, can you talk a little bit more about how you identify yourself and how that identity came about? 
Yeah, so I am Latino. I'm half Puerto Rican and half Brazilian. And I also I identify as a first generation student. Both of my fam, um, both of my parents are immigrants into the United States um, who took education very seriously. So I that identity is core to who I am and much of what I value. Right. And then um, can you talk a little bit more about what you do at Facebook? Maybe um, are like, are you managing teams and how does being a Latino look at Facebook today? I work in a network called Digital Rights Operations, which develops operational solutions to empower and protect our community of users, rights holders, and our family of products by managing legal risk at a global scale. I currently manage teams based out of the San Francisco Bay Area, Austin, and Ireland that are responsible for building and maintaining the tools and infrastructure used by our intellectual property and privacy teams, optimizing our internal operations for efficiency and growth, since the complexity of the challenges we're facing and the size of our teams are growing each year, and integrating new features and products to support and protect our rights holders and users. So I'm just going to speak from my personal experience here. Um, for, so I'm not. Uh, so nothing I say is really representative of the company, but just uh, my own personal thoughts here. So there are two reasons why being a Latino at Facebook um, has been a pretty positive experience for me so far. For one, uh, Facebook, like many other companies, has employee resource groups, which are essentially the employee version of the student clubs that you have in college where you can meet other employees that identify with a given identity through allies and people that share similar interests. Being involved with the Latino Resource Group has given me an outlet to connect with other employees with similar backgrounds and bond over shared experiences and interests. I've had some really amazing experiences um, uh, with the one at Google, um, just bonding over um, great restaurants, experiences growing up, and just some like inside jokes from just that you just have from being a millennial in a Latino household. Um, I've met some really amazing friends and mentors through these networks at Google, and I'm really started missing, meeting some awesome folks at Facebook as well so far. The second reason is because I'm fortunate to work on a team uh, with people who come from different backgrounds, who bring different perspectives into the conversation that we have day to day. Although I'm te technically the only Latino in the room in some situations, I don't really notice it because although it's part of my background, it isn't really part of the conversations that we're having day to day, but it's really more about how are we are going to approach these very complex problems that we're trying to solve every day. Um, it's really about how we're figuring, how we're going to best protect our users and the integrity of our products. And at the end of the day, it's really that mission that makes all of us excited to come into work every day. I, a lot of companies talk about diversity and I've been so lucky that at Facebook, it's not just about ethnic diversity, but it's really about the experiences that you bring, whether you're a veteran, um, come uh, grown up um, in a certain country, um, your educational or work background. It's really those different experiences that have caused even me to uh, question some of my assumptions um, and unconscious biases, which by the way, if you've heard of unconscious bias, it's a really cool training if you have it available. Um, but uh, just generally, I've been really lucky to work with people who have valued not only my perspectives, but have um, given me a lot to learn about as well. I, several friends, and many other minorities have worked at teams at other companies 
where it was very clear that we were not part of the majority group, and we were reminded of that regularly in both explicit and implicit ways. I'm beyond thankful that that's no longer the case for me. And at Facebook, I feel like I can fully be myself without having to worry about that. That uh, it's really the combination of these of all, all of this that's made being Latino at Facebook a very positive experience for me. Great. I think that sounds like a, a great opportunity. And the reason why I mention it is because I think that there's a lot of minorities out there who don't really understand the the glass ceiling when it comes to like minorities. And I agree with you, like going to Cal Poly and being surrounded by a lot of um, people that aren't like me, um, it, it kind of gets you accustomed to that. What would you say to someone who like isn't accustomed to that and is trying to reach, you know, a position like you're in? Yeah, so one of the questions that I found myself constantly asking, and even nowadays I still do, but it doesn't bother me as much as it did at first, is uh, reminding myself that I do belong here, that someone made a conscious decision to say that Mike Ponce belongs here, you know, like whether it be a school and the jobs that I've had and knowing that my contributions will speak for themselves. And that when I was in moments when I doubted myself, I, I needed to actively remind myself that I have a place here, that because I don't see anyone around me, someone needs to be that first that others can look to it. Because if I were to step away, who is going to be that person that will break that ceiling if not me? Um, and that's something that is much easier said than done as with most as with most things in life but knowing that i part of my responsibility and being that first is being able to pull people up with me and that like in motivation to give back and do more is what helped me keep going even that moments when i felt completely exhausted is there is there anything um within your childhood any sort of experience that has led you to have that mindset and that realization and if not can you talk a little bit more about your childhood yeah, so when I was in elementary school, and my elementary school was a Catholic school, so it was a K-8 school, and when I was applying to um, different high schools, I wasn't getting in, and I was wondering, like, why am I not getting in anywhere? My grades aren't amazing, but they're not awful, and I found out that it was because one of the recommendation letters, uh, one of the people recommending me was saying that this guy has behavioral issues, is not in focus. Um, and would probably not be a good fit because he's a distraction. Um, it was very uh, hurtful to hear that, as you can imagine. And I was wondering, like, what's going on? And it's not until many years down the line I realized a lot of the things that I've been carrying with me um, were leading to lashing out. But um, a teacher really took a chance on me and saw that I was a lot more than that. They knew that I had this sense of curiosity to just really learn more for the fun of it that I because I did enjoy reading and I got bullied a lot as a kid. And so I took solace in reading and all the time. And it's actually part of how, how I was able to learn English growing up. Um, and they saw that because of this natural curiosity, that it was worth taking a chance on this one kid who sure he talks a lot, but he just wants to do good at the end of the day. Um, and she said that if she would vouch for me for this school that I wanted to get into, um, if I promised to do as hard to do my best in this high school and make sure that she that I could make her proud um so I did so my grades went from like C's C's at best to all A's in high school because I like that like direct um impact and knowing like wow this person actually believes in me and knows that I can do a lot more in the world um was what pushed me um throughout high school and beyond what were some of the emotions you know going through that I I would imagine that um, 
you might feel like you're less, you know, um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Like, uh, you would you would you would think that at a Catholic school, people would and teachers especially wouldn't uh, put students down who are like that at that age group. But I remember one of the nicknames that I was given by a teacher was like "Boys in the Hood" because the movie came out at the time. And knowing like is this how I'm seen uh, like, like that uh, like that stereotype like, the sh- like that like why and not really knowing what I did to deserve that. Um, and one of the things that it's easy to overlook that all of these students in schools have um, home lives that we can't even understand. They're going through a lot. Like if somebody is sleepy in school, it could be because they stayed up all night or dealing with something. Um, and knowing that there's a very real story behind every interaction that we have in school and that vice principal, which I later learned could relate to a lot of the stuff that I was going through as a kid, was part of the reason why she was willing to take that chance on me. Right. I think that's great. Um, I think that sometimes like all we need is someone to push us forward and, and to really like be hardworking and try our best. Um, so now kind of like moving on to what you wanted to talk about, which is graduating from Stanford. Can you just kind of start us off where, where it all started and then uh, take us through that journey? Yeah. Um, so I started um, at Stanford in 2006, right after graduating from high school. I thought I was like top of the role. Like I did it. Like this is my peak. Like I uh, growing up, I didn't have any other goals other than just going to the best college that I could so that I could leave um, the area where I was growing up. But once I was there, I realized, what do I do now? Like, how do I navigate this space? Um, people were calling home, asking for advice on classes and had these like safety nets that I just didn't have, whether it be asking for money to buy books, um, figuring out which classes to take. And I just didn't even know how to navigate independently in that kind of environment. Um, so after my first quarter, I actually left with the intention of dropping out because of that sense of overwhelming and a lot of personal issues um, that I won't get into right now. But just I needed to step away and I left with the intention of just dropping out. Um, so I was away for four years, actually, and I was working different service level jobs in the food um, service industry. I was a janitor. I was a bartender for a bit, just really thinking that this is just my life now, that college just isn't for everybody and that's for me as and that's the case for me as well seeing the kind of jobs that my parents had and how they took honor in it I didn't really see myself as having felt I just thought that I just need to readjust my evaluation of success um it wasn't until a couple years when I had um was had met somebody at a restaurant who was dining alone who was an elderly person we were talking because I was working the midnight shift and just needed someone to talk to after a rough day. And they were sharing the story and they m- helped me see that that opportunity that I had to go to Stanford on a full ride because of where I, um, because of my economic circumstances, that isn't something that every Latino has the privilege of doing. And who was I to say that I didn't deserve it? You know, like that I had a responsibility not just to myself, but my family and other Latinos who are wondering how the hell do I make it this way? Um, how can I make it in this world where I'm being told that I'm not enough? Um, so after processing that over the next couple of months, I made uh, the decision to go back to Stanford. But at that point, I was four years older than the people around me and didn't really feel like I could relate. Um, and however, at this point, when I was going through the typical stresses of like bad roommates, all-nighters, it held in comparison to the kinds of situations that I that I faced in the service industry where people don't really value the, the people that are making your food that are cleaning up after you 
and knowing that oh, an all-nighter or roommate drama, fine. Like I, uh, I've been through worse and reminding myself that I've been through worse and I will get through this too. And going through um, those years of being of building relationships with grad students who that I've been out in the real world and knowing that there are a lot of valuable relationships for me to build here and within the Latino community at Stanford, um, which is a big reason why I was able to graduate eventually because of having that sense of perspective that I would not have had had I just stuck through those four years and building that resourcefulness that um, got me there in the first place. Right. And can you talk a little bit more about those four years that you left? Like what were some emotions? What was your mind going through when, when you left? And maybe even talk about some of the jobs you were working at. Yeah. So when I left, I um, felt like I had failed. Um, I worked so hard to get there in the first place and to feel like I just couldn't stick it out. And there were some um, other personal circumstances why I had to leave, but feeling like, oh, I couldn't figure this out. Like I just felt I, like I really beating myself up, up about it over the next couple of months, figuring out what is my next step now. Um, one of the things that had um, scared me um, throughout high school, which pushed me to um, do well in school was, what if I go to Stanford only to finish and not have anything to show for it? Um, not have anything to show for the sacrifices my family made and others had made and put their trust in me. Um, so feeling that had let them down is actually what hurt the most. Um, after a while, though, I realized I need to make money. I need to make money to support myself, to support family. Um, so I applied to a fast food restaurant as a cashier and realized, one, I suck at mental math. How the hell did I get into Stanford? Um, sorry, but... Uh, it, but also just having that humility to understand that I'm not the schools that I go to. I'm not the experiences that I have. It's really, what am I contributing to the world around me? Like, what impact am I making on people's lives? Um, so I started working there and really learning how to interact with people because I had ter crippling social anxiety. Um, the Even the most uh, scripted of conversations when you're taking someone's order would like, just make my heart race. And really just learning how to interact in a new environment um, was a personal growth experience for me. There was also a period where I was a janitor at Nikes because I needed um, to get some extra cash um, for some personal like health issues that were going on. And really uh, getting myself into debt because I had no other way to do support myself at the time. Um, one of the reasons why I started telling my story a lot more openly was because I was talking to... Um, somebody uh, uh, maybe like a year or two ago, and I was saying how, how hesitant I am to take on any debt now. And he said, oh yeah, we all make choices. We all, we're all foolish at some point. And knowing that that's a decision that I made to survive. Who are you to tell me that, like, that it was beta out of foolishness um, and not really knowing the circumstances that led to it? Um, so going through that at the time just felt really overwhelming. And there were days when I thought, like, just make it stop. I can't do this anymore. Like, I need to talk to somebody. Um, and that's when I realized that mental health in the Latino community is just something that's not actively talked about because there is that shame. Like, you just need sleep, sports, or um, church <laughs> were usually the things that you're told um, growing up. Um, in Spanish, you call them psico locos, which means that if you're not crazy going in, you're crazy coming out. Um, so once I made the decision that I just need to talk to someone through these things that I'm going through, um, that was a big step for me. So in um, talking to someone on a regular basis helped me um, develop a sense of understanding of what was going on around me and helped me accept that certain things were just out of my control. Um, because growing up, I felt like 
every single decision was going to have an impact on whether or not I would leave my environment, on whether or not I would go to college. And getting to a point where I realized there are just some things you can't control as much as you would want them to gave me that sense of uh, ownership that I can't control this, but I can't control how I react. And that shift in perspective is what set me on that trajectory that ultimately led me um, going back to Stanford and finishing out my degree. Um, so I've been um, doing this podcast now for just a short period of time, but honestly, like mental health has been one of the issues that pops up, pops up every single time. What, what advice or like, I know like you're, you wouldn't be like certified to give advice, but what are some like things that maybe you learned in therapy that can help someone who is currently listening today? Just need a moment to think about that one. There's nothing wrong with going to talk to somebody. It just means that there is somebody who is trained in being able to listen to what you're going through and helping you think through it because they're not going to have these, the person that I, the people that I've spoken to don't really have a magic solution. They just help you talk through things and help you develop that sense of perspective that really came from me. Because they, I didn't, I never felt like they gave me these answers, but they just helped me how to talk through things. And oftentimes, we feel like we don't have anyone to talk to about things. So if anything, they're someone you can talk to, share what you want, and they're not going to tell anyone else. And knowing that there was someone that I can talk to and not have to worry, what is my family going to say? What are my friends going to say? That just gave me the sense of liberation that. Um, that I'm not really controlled by the stuff that's going on around me that I didn't really know how to process or explain. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And and I, like I said, I, I only bring it up at once and like time and time again because I think that there's a lot of people that simply don't want to or like feel like like they shouldn't. Um, and I, I want to make sure that everyone who is listening out there um, has a chance or like just knows that it might be best if they were to go get therapy, you know? Um, so thank you for sharing, but moving on to you actually being in Stanford now, um, what were some obstacles that you went through coming back? I know you mentioned like finding with roommates and like, um, you know, being older than everyone were some other things that you went through. Just the general adaptation to how I thought going from earning money, paying bills, um, and the kind of job that I was having to thinking, um, through algebra and statistics problems, economics problems, um, working against deadlines, and really juggling, juggling a lot at the same time. It was a different way of thinking and lifestyle altogether. And going from not being in school for those four years to being at one of the most difficult schools in the world is um, was really overwhelming. And it really started putting me back into the headspace that led me to leave in the first place. Um, but this time around, being um, a lot older, I, I would like to think a bit more mature, um, uh, but that's a bit debatable depending on who you ask. But just knowing that it's not just all on me right now and having people who I could rely on um, helped a lot. I ended up um, developing relationships with some of the grad students that I met at El Centro Latino at Stanford. And in talking to the grad students and building relationships with them, it just helped me feel like I'm not the only one who, who's felt like they don't belong here. Like there are other stories similar to mine and those even different from mine that, I'm, that I could learn a lot from. Um, so in building um, and really finding my, my community and in a place where I felt like I was at home um, was, was critical to me feeling like I can do this. Like I have no idea how, but I will find a way out. And they helped connect me to other resources at school 
um, where I was able to figure out, okay, how do I study? How do I learn how to study? How do I learn how to um, manage my time? Things that I haven't really had to do um, for a very long time and really learning a lot of these skills that come naturally um, to a lot of the people that come from these high schools or elementary schools that cost as much as Stanford did and really having to learn these skills for the first time and really going in with that understanding that I there's no shame in like having to admit that I need help. Um, one of the reasons why a lot of I rarely saw a lot of Latinos and other people from similar backgrounds in office hours for my classes is because there was such a like a stigma around asking for help. And similar to what we talked about mental health, just that um, acknowledgement that you need help is such a big step. It's so difficult to make. And once uh, knowing that that was something that I was more comfortable with doing at the time um, was why I was able to get the resources and the help that I needed to eventually be able to graduate and make it um, make it through some of the most difficult classes that I've taken. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about someone who has influenced your experience at Stanford? Maybe someone like a role model you look up to and it can be either like within Stanford or, or outside of Stanford. Yeah. Um, there was the there was somebody who was managing the grad student center at, at Stanford, and they were managing the grad student curriculum for the Latino students. The way this worked is that El Centro Latino at Stanford had uh, this grad fellowship program for um, Latino students that came from different backgrounds, and I would oftentimes just vent to her about what I was going through, and excuse me, um, and just having someone to talk to and someone who could share ask like have you thought about approaching it this way have you thought about going to this department um and asking if different things that i could try to um study for exams structure my time um or sometimes it was even just proofreading my essays having someone who i could talk to consistently and openly um was critical to me being able to work my way through those things because i knew that if i'm not completely open with somebody but I'm holding myself back from being able to make it through these classes and through university. Um, and I now in retrospect, I realize how privileged I was to have someone to talk to, because I know that for a lot of people, like if they talk there, sometimes there aren't people in their families that they can talk to like this, or there might be reasons why they can't talk to even their friends. So knowing that I'm, that I'm multiple times in my life, I've been in such a privileged position where I had people that I can talk to openly. Um, like I owe them all that credit uh, for why I was able to graduate eventually. And one of the things I say now is that like just start sharing your story openly, like when you're in school or um, at work, just sharing your background, what you're interested in learning, because eventually someone will reach out to you and say, hey, I'm going through a similar thing. Or even if they even don't say that, hey, could you tell me more about that? And eventually there is, what I found is they're also trying to get the courage to say, I've been through that as well. Like, can we just talk more or about it over coffee or over uh, lunch or something? And some of the most meaningful friendships that I've developed at Stanford has been because I was openly sharing, hey, guys, I'm struggling. I don't know how, but I just wanted to say that this is why that I might look might be a bit out of it today. Um, and when I was asked to speak at some of the events sharing my story, I realized that other people are going through this as well. But there's just this pressure to pretend that we have everything under control um, that keeps us from um, really working through some deep-seated issues. Right. That I think that a lot of people who want mentors or like want someone to be able to talk to don't really know how to approach them. You know, you, they don't really know how to get 
to that position, what would you say um, for those who are wanting to get a mentor, someone to talk to, to how to approach them? Like, what's like the first step? One of the first step would be, what do you want to get out of that mentorship? I've had, I've mentored people with, with different things in mind because he wanted to get, they wanted to learn different things. Some people wanted to learn professional development. Others wanted to learn how to break into the tech industry. And others just wanted to know how do I navigate around college as a first gen student? So knowing like, what is that connection you want to make with that mentor and connect with them on that. Like one of the, um, like I, as you can probably have heard by now, like I just love doing like these podcasts, sharing my story and just helping people. And chances are that if you're in a situation where you can reach out to a mentor, like they care about this as much as you do. So being able to draw that connection and ask, Hey, um, so-and-so, like I've heard you talk about X, like I really would like to learn about whatever you want to learn about and just, um, making it easy to, for them to understand what is this, what are you looking for to get out of that mentorship? And how does that look like, whether it be a phone call, um, a coffee chat or what have you, or I guess nowadays a Zoom call, but just really making it easy for the person in that mentorship position to understand how they can help you more than anything. Right. And um, now can you like talk a little bit more about leading up to Stanford graduation? Like what were the emotions behind that? And maybe like what were the emotions like after you graduated or maybe some final like touches of, of being within Stanford? Yeah. Um, that last year, there's so much pressure to find a job leading up to graduation. And I'm sure a lot of today's seniors might be going through the same thing, um, really uh, figuring out going into the senior year where a lot of people already had jobs coming out of their summer internships was unbelievable to me. Um, and feeling like I had to get a certain kind of job in order to be worthy of the Stanford degree. And there was this now I realize it was an unhealthy expectation to ha land a certain kind of job in a certain kind of industry coming out of a school like Stanford and not having any idea what I wanted. Um, I had gone from thinking I was going to go to law school, to medical school, to um, working in uh, financial services, really having no idea what I wanted to do. And not having any direction is what made the path to graduation a lot more overwhelming. Thankfully, though, I had um, interned at Google for two summers and realized, hey, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up, but this is actually kind of cool. Like working in the tech industry, feeling like I found my Latino community here, um, and knowing that I can actually contribute and not feel like I'm like an other, like I actually do have a place here. Um, so thankfully, I was able to um, land a job there full time. And like, so like I spent most of my senior year one being shocked that I, I was actually able to do that. Um, but also figuring out what am I going to do for the rest of the year? Like I, like I thinking that Stanford was a place where I didn't have the safety nets that a lot of people do going into a place like that. But now really going out into the real world where like I wouldn't, if I were to like having that fear in the back of my mind, like if I were to fail, what, what's going to catch me, you know, like having been through some pretty dark stuff when I was taking that time off, being afraid, like, what if that happens again? Like, what am I going to do to recover? Um, I'm not going to have like um, my RAs, my resident associates and other people at Stanford to like really like help catch me if I fall. So really being afraid of what was on the other side is um, a big reason why I spent much of my senior year just really anxious more than anything about what would happen in this side and not feeling like I was ready to leave. Um, so I started um, calling, um, calling uh, some, some good friends every now and then just to talk 
and really taking a break from school. And I realized that by taking a break from academics and from that anxiety gave me that sense of relief knowing that I'm not the only one who's nervous about graduating. I'm not the only one who's worried about landing a job or being able to pay my bills. Um, One of the reasons why my version of success is just being able to pay my bills and not have to worry about how I'm going to do that is because for those four years, that was my top worry. How am I going to pay the light bill? How am I going to pay to live? Um, So I realized um, senior year that if I can land a job where I can pay my bills and have enough to not have to be anxious about how I'm going to make it to the next month, then that is is like life success for me. And um, it's actually one of the reasons why I started to relax a lot more toward the end of my senior year, because I realized that I'm not only going to be able to take care of myself, but more than anything, it, like I'm in a position where I will have access to all, like some of the best mentors that I could ever have. And I, all, they're only like an email away and really being thankful more than anything. I think that when we're going through a lot of stuff, it's really difficult to see what we have and really focus on what we don't have. So when I started um, focusing a lot more on that, I started just relaxing and just enjoying the ride to graduation. Right. And and so, you know, now that you're going through the graduation process, what like what, what was going through your mind when you graduated from Stanford, which is one of the top schools in the world? Um, and how do you think, like, what was the number one thing that got you there? The number one thing that got me there is perseverance more than anything else, knowing that going through mental health concerns, um, financial concerns just to survive and having to take on a lot of that just to get by day to day when I was taking time away from school, knowing that I've gone through things that some people don't even have to think about in their entire lives um, leading up to that point that I have no idea how I was able to get through all these things, but I somehow did. Um, and I'm not a runner, but what, what uh, from talking to runners, it's uh, similar to that feeling where you're finishing a marathon, you're exhausted, you can barely breathe, but you somehow make it through that finish line. That's what graduating from Stanford felt like. I was sleep deprived. I was exhausted. Mentally, I was drained after being in a pressure cooker for um, those remaining three years after I went back. Um, and just knowing that as battered as I feel, just having gone through this, I somehow, somehow made it thanks to the people around me and the great relationships I was able to develop and the advice that they gave me. Um, so when I finally made it to graduation day, I it was a blur. Like I think my eyes were watery most of the day because I thought like I actually did it. Like I am here, I have a job, and there are actually people here to see me graduate. Like that, um, I... Like I can't even imagine to this day, like uh, other than my wedding day last year, like a day where I was just so elated with happiness that uh, that was just overwhelming beyond words. I mean, you're making me feel like I should have been there for your graduation, man. Like I don't know, I, I that makes me really happy that like uh, it sounds like you went through a lot and like coming out of it, um, like on top. You know that that's like a really really great story and. And I, and I think it's a story that people are currently going through. You know, I think that there's a lot of people that are currently in that dip. What would you tell those people who are maybe like Stanford is a huge accomplishment, by the way, congrats. Um, but what would you tell those who are wanting to like reach up to the top? One of the things I would say is that your next step doesn't determine the rest of your life. 
Um, I work alongside people who went to um, junior college before four-year universities, some who didn't go to a four-year university at all and ended up going to a tech boot camp, others who um, took a more, a, more of a detour to getting to places like Google and Facebook. Um, so one of the things that I would say is that um, you don't have to know what that end path is going to look like because I still don't know, to be honest with you. It's really just accepting the fact that I'm going to find the next best step that I can find and then build from there. And then I'll decide what those next um, one or two steps are going to look like. Um, one of the reasons why I was so overwhelmed when I went to Stanford is because there were people who had um, their four years and then some planned ahead of them already. And I had no idea what and how am I even going to make it through this one quarter feeling overwhelmed? So once I learned to accept that my next step doesn't determine what the one after that is going to be, it will influence it, of course, but it doesn't really set it in stone. And knowing that there is a lot of flexibility in how I get to the whatever comes afterward um, made me feel a lot more liberated. Um, so regardless of where you are right now in life, it, there is a lot of flexibility there. And knowing that there are people that are willing to help you, whether it be LinkedIn, especially now that we're all remote and are looking for those like virtual connections. There are people out there willing to help. And that's what I'm seeing right now as well. And it's really inspiring to see how many people are just reaching out um, to really help one another and really sharing people's stories more openly and what you're looking for, whether it be mentorship, academic help. Um, some students, at, some low-income students at Stanford are saying, hey guys, like I am on campus. I cannot, do not have the privilege of going home. I, I need help paying for like groceries or books. And there, the outpouring of support from alumni and current students um, has really been heartwarming to see. So just being able to share your story to the extent to which you're comfortable, because not all of us will get to that stage at different points in our lives, but just at least saying like what you need at that point and like um, knowing that there will be somebody out there who will be willing to help. And if not, reach out to me. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I think you really embody what it means to like what we're trying to do on this podcast, which is like sharing your story. Um, I, I really do think that those who are listening have learned from you um, already. Um, and the next question that I would say is, uh, what, what would you do differently if, you know, going through that? Um, I don't know if you've heard of this phrase, the trough of sorrow. Um, I haven't. So pretty much it's like that dip and then going back up. Um, and having little dips as, as you go on. Um, but what would you do differently if you came back, if you were to start, you know, Stanford a quarter or semester one, what, what would be different? Like the first time around or the second time around? Um, first time around, I kind of want to know, like, what, what would your mind be going through then? To be honest, I don't think I would do anything different. As painful as it is, and as darker than dark those days were when I was taking time off, that really gave me an appreciation of the people that have come into my life and what I've learned along the way. Because if I wasn't in such terribly dark states, I wouldn't have realized that I am capable of doing a lot more than what I thought I was doing before. And that there is a certain level of resourcefulness and resilience that is in all of us, but especially in people who come from backgrounds like mine, um, I wouldn't have discovered that in myself had I not been put in a position where it was either do or like just collapse under the pressure. Um, so like, I think if I could do it all over again, I, I don't know what other way I could have, have learned things um, without having been under that kind of pressure. But I think it's just having built those social connections along the way. If I, gave, I guess, yeah, if, if I had to choose one thing is building 
connections earlier on and being more open about what I was going through, um, especially when it comes to mental health, like we had talked about. Um, I wish I would have liked to have had someone to talk to in that in that capacity earlier on, and maybe I would have dealt the perspective and um, to be able to persevere rather than feeling like I had to run away from what was bothering me at first. If someone were today to tell you that you're special and one of a kind, what would you tell them? I would say that we all are. We all have our unique stories. There are some commonalities, of course, but I, first I would say thank you, but also saying that they are as well. Like everyone has their own path um, to getting somewhere and knowing that uh, we are, like there are resources available, whether we had to ask for them, borrow them, um, dig for that, like just what have you, just knowing that um, we're all like really special and have our unique talents and b- those relationships that we're building or we'll start building eventually are what's going to help us really like iron, um, sharpen those skills over time. Is there any chance that we can like, uh, like give your email out right now? Or would you feel comfortable with giving out any sort of like contact, whether it be like LinkedIn or something that people could connect with you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, Mike Ponce, if you search for Mike Ponce, um, working at Facebook, um, you'll saw me show up. So um, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy um, to have conversations with um, people who reach out. Great. Thank you so much for that. I think that means a lot for everyone out there listening. And is there any like final things you would want to say for those who are listening? Yeah. One of the things that I would say is that when you feel like you are comfortable, like you reached whatever your definition of success is, to not forget that there are people struggling where you were struggling back then. Um, so as you work your way up to pull people up behind you, um, I do it right now through mentoring students that are at Stanford um, or mentoring other Latino employees at Facebook and wherever I've been. Um, so really remembering that just as we had mentors and people who helped build us up when we needed it the most, knowing that like there's nothing preventing us, oh, uh, presumably nothing preventing us from doing it in some capacity to people um, that are looking for that pull up as well. Yeah, thank you for that. It means a lot. Like I said, like this is more of a, a passion to help other people and and you're like you're one of these people you're someone who's actually helping people at the same time and i'm simply the messenger um so with that thank you so much for being on the podcast um yeah thank you just thank you of course i'm happy to help thank you for joining us and hearing this truly inspiring story feel free to follow us at first few podcast on twitter instagram and facebook to get previews of our weekly episodes and of our guests. If you're wanting to help out in any way by joining our team, being a podcast guest in the future, or simply wanting to give us feedback, you can always direct message us or click on the link in our bio to learn more. This is Juan Perez and you're listening to The First Few Podcasts. I hope you have a great day and come back next week for more amazing minority stories.